0: Om namo this is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yogavidya Bad Meinberg near Hannover in Germany. ...being uh, so counterproductive for our self-enlightenment. And you said on the other side that our Swadharma is following our likes. How does Swadharma and desire relate to each other?
1: swadharma is your is your program your pattern your conditioning hmm? like i'm like i'm i'm a teacher it's my swadharma to teach okay now i can i teach without desire no no <laughs> how, how am i going to teach if i don't have desire i had to get out of bed and come down here and read the book and Start talking. I have to have desire to do that. If I don't have desire, it won't happen. But that this desire that is not opposed to dharma is it?
0: Okay.
1: Huh? That's why he said. He said, um, "I'm the desire that's not opposed to dharma." That means, if if you're doing what's what you love, that's a, your swadharma is what you love. Many people do things that they don't love. Like, the worst thing to do is to take a job just for the money. You will not feel happy. If you take a job just for the money, you will not feel happy. You would actually be happier if you were broke and did what you like, rather than take a job that uh, makes you unhappy, because you're going against your swadharma. You're violating dharma. That's why you're suffering so there's no contradiction between swadharma and desire unless your desire is so strong huh like in the case of a person who takes a job just because they're insecure financially hmm? then that person is what going against his swadharma because his his security issue is so strong He's so he's so insecure that he can't imagine living without money. Now it is kind of hard to live without money, but I tell you, if you don't have money, money will come. That's why Ishwar, particularly in here, Ishwar said, did he did he say it already? If he didn't, he's going to say it. He said, "I protect what you, uh, what I look after your your material needs, your needs, whatever you need, if you keep your mind on me." And he looks after your material needs even if you don't. That's the point. Like I had a, I I didn't have medical insurance. uh, But they gave me a quarter of a million dollar uh, heart, uh, open heart surgery. I didn't have to pay a dime. I got the best doctor. He'd done 9,000 open-heart surgeries. It cost a quarter of a million dollars to do it, and I didn't have to pay a dime. Your needs are taken care of. Why would you do anything you don't like to do? Only because of fear or desire. Some people break the rules because they just have so much desire. So that's all we're talking about. There's nothing wrong with your likes and dislikes. We're, what, we're gonna, what, what karma yoga does is it basically converts your likes and dislikes to preferences. So you prefer to do certain things, but you're happy to do things that you don't want to do. There's many things you should do that you don't want to do. And a will do those things. Because it doesn't matter. But a normal person will get will avoid doing what he should do, he or she should do, because he doesn't like doing it. Like when I was a kid, I didn't like washing the dishes, after bre- after dinner, that was my job. Caused myself so much suffering, so much misery, because I didn't like washing the dishes. And I had no choice about it, because my dad was a big guy. <laughs> And I knew if I didn't wash the dishes, it was going to make my life hell for me. I wasn't, I wasn't taking Ishwar into account at all, because Ishwara was my father and my mother, and they said your job is to wash the dishes. That's your dharma. And I didn't like that dharma, so what do I do? I was always try, always angry or upset or, or doing a bad job washing the dishes what, uh, because I didn't like it. And it, it wasn't until I was like 15 years old and I was always oh, been a smart guy. One of those guys that knows everything and, and arrogant. And I was, I was giving my father a hard time. I was making fun of him. And suddenly I saw this great big fist. Boom.
0: Huh?
1: And I woke up in a pool of blood on the kitchen floor. My mother didn't mess with me at all. I just, you know, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes later, I came too. And then, you know something? I like doing the dishes. <laughs> 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 <Huh>? <laughs> then, just doing dishes and doing mowing the lawn and doing those chores, very nice. My father was extremely patient and tolerant. He hated that. But at a certain point, Ishwara, Boom! There's the rules. You're not paying by the rules. You don't do what you're, you go by your likes and dislikes. You don't you ignore your environment. What's going to happen? Boom! Ishwar will bring you down. That's the message here. Andrew Cohen, there's a good example. This guy gets real big, spiritually, thousands of people, tons of money, big dust and that, and the other thing. Where is he now? This is a little man over in India sitting there meditating and trying to figure out a way to plot his comeback to fame and fortune. Because he didn't take care of his environment. He abused the people he was teaching. And they all got together and they said, okay, we're fed up with this. You're out of here. They just voted him out. Because he broke Dharma. Dharma people he's supposed to be loving and taking care of and, and serving, he's abusing them. <laughs> That's huh? He's got plenty of desire. He thinks he's is his desire is for to get them enlightened, but huh he's not, huh? He's ready to break Dharma and abuse people, what for? <laughs> to get them enlightened? So yeah, this is what we're saying. This is what he's, this is this whole section is about that, taking Ishwar into account. You cannot discount your environment. Your environment needs your body. You don't take care of your body, you're gonna suffer. That's Ishwar. The body doesn't belong to you. You didn't create your body. Ishwar created your body. What do we got here? Stand by. Does it look pretty good? No, it's not quite right, excuse me, I'll just hit a copy camera mic, spot focus, exposure, auto, down, jump, jump, better, up one. okay, menu. Yeah, ish Ishwar is your body. If you if you if you drink and take drugs and overeat and eat bad food and you get sick, hmm? Ishwar is punishing you. <laughs> Ishwar means what? Is delivering the results of your actions to you. Ishwar is not punishing you like you're a bad person. You're punishing yourself and Ishwar is what? you're an instrument for Ishwara to what? Deliver your karma. So, uh, you're not taking care of yourself. The body belongs to Ishwara. Is there one thing in this body that you created? The food? where did it come, That made the body? That came from Ishwara. You didn't create the food. You didn't create the digestion. You didn't create the respiration. You didn't create the the emotions, the thoughts. Every single thing you've got here comes from Mishwara. and you what? And you don't take it into account. Some people are so neurotic they won't sleep. They're so full of desire. They're so they're so afraid that they're going to lose something or miss something or that they have to accomplish something that they get all worked up emotionally. And intellectually, they get totally rajasic and they run their bodies down and they can't sleep. And then their body gets worse and worse and worse and they have all kinds of things break down inside. They're, what are they doing? They're not worshipping Ishwara. They're worshipping desire. They're worshipping fear. They're not worshipping Ishwara. They're not taking care of Ishwara. Okay. This- it, on every level, everything that every object that there is is Ishwara, and, and we're speaking to Jiva now. We're not from the self. It doesn't matter. It's fine. If the body goes bad or not? Who cares? We're talking to Jiva now, because moksha is for Jiva. Moksha is not for awareness. Awareness, awareness is moksha. Awareness is nitya muktaha. It means always free. So you're always free as awareness. But you're not free as a jiva. Jiva wants to be free. So we're addressing jiva here. And, And everybody's got a jiva. And it's the jiva that's seeking. Self's not seeking anything. So... I've got to take Ishwar into account. That's the whole point. And I've got to worship or love all the forms. It means my body. I've got to love it. I don't like my body. I've got a big nose. Oh, okay, that, and then well, then your ego will tell you well, then you should go and have your nose fixed. So, pe- huh? People are doing this. They're not happy with the bodies Ishwar has given them, and they want to change it wrong with these people want to change their sex there's this famous uh, athlete bruce jenner you may have heard of him he was an olympian he won like eight gold medals or something then he became famous on that uh, reality show called the kardashians he's very wealthy very famous in america everybody knows him he was a beautiful man now he's turning into a woman He's taking hormones, he's getting breasts, he's starting to have all his facial surgeries, so he starts to look like a woman. huh? He had a beautiful body, and he was a beautiful man, and now he wants to be a woman. You imagine the kind of suffering that he's going to do that, how much suffering he's willing to put forth, and how much suffering that's causing him? Not only how much suffering is causing him to do it, but how much suffering... And how much ridicule he's getting also. Except for the the tabloid press who like, Oh, Bruce, Bruce is feeling fine with himself now. He's going to get to be who he really is. Mm -hmm. Worship Ishwara means love yourself, love your God, love your environment, love your friends, love your family. See them as yourself. Give the give your body and and everybody else the same respect and love that you what? That you feel for yourself. You he only does that because he loves himself. Unfortunately, he has a very, very peculiar notion of what his self is. Because if he actually knew what his self was, he wouldn't have to change his body to make himself feel good. Understand? So when when he said when when we're talking worship of forms, worship of formless is Vedanta, That's meditation. That's what we're. That's the knowledge portion of this. The worship portion of this is what is based upon knowledge. It's just understanding that everything that you're in contact with, everything you see and smell and taste and touch and feel and think, is what needs to be uh, loved. Yes, sir.
0: More for clarification, so fears and desires are also Ishvara. Yes. And so to love Ishvara means also to have a loving kind relation towards my fears and to desires. To your fears and desires. So how to de- how to love them intelligently?
1: Yeah, how how well sublimate them into the search for Ishvara
0: but
1: not repel no no convert those desires and fears for objects into the desire and fear to know a desire to know yourself take the fear be what the fear you can use the fear to stay away from the objects because you know the objects are, are the objects are are defective if, uh, you chase objects because you think they're beautiful and you think there's no downside You don't think about the defect of an object when you go into it. And fear should be, and and your, your fear should say, hey, just a minute, careful. That's very juicy and very sexy. But there's a downside here. I think I'll stay away from that. That's an intelligent use of your fear. That's sublimating your fear and making it what? understand? And your desire should be what? For what? Freedom. The number one qualification for moksha is mumukshutvam. And that's called desire. Burning desire for liberation. And what is that desire? Simply love of freedom. The fundamental desire of all people is for freedom. That's what they love. There's nothing people love more than Freedom. And how do we know that? How do we know that every human being is seeking freedom every minute? How do we know that? Because everything we do is an attempt, in an attempt to remove a sense of limitation. Isn't it? Huh? You only do what you do to get rid of something that's limiting you. If a mosquito bites me, I go... Well, why do I do that? Because that itch is limiting my happiness. And when I scratch it, what happens? It feels good. The unhappiness goes away and I feel happy. Huh? You You want a job, not for the job... You want a job to be free of the feeling of insecurity. The job the job's a job. When you got the job, your feeling of insecurity goes away. That's what you really wanted to was to be free of the insecurity. You didn't want the job. When you get a relationship, you don't want a relationship. You want to be free of loneliness. If you're not lonely, you won't be looking for a relationship. Right? Isn't that right? Why am I getting some resistance here? (laughs) Because the the ego doesn't like that idea, that's why. So it's intelligently, uh, it's intelligent to what? To be wary and afraid of objects. Not like afraid of objects, but what? You use your... Uh, that's what the teaching is. There's no joy in objects. That's where we started on Friday night. Saturday, we went into it. There's no joy in the objects. Life's a zero-sum game. It's defective. So if I'm chasing things in life, I'm what am I doing? I have to ignore the defects to make this thing work for me. To make my life work, I have to ignore the defects. And if I if I want something, huh, and I know and I get it, what happens? Am I happy forever? There's another little simple, another little un- inconvenient truth. No. I get what I want, and do my wants go away? No, my wants don't go away. I just huh, I just got a new want. Or, if I don't have a want, my want turns into holding on to what I have, into an attachment. So now I've got what I want, but then what? That's great. Now I feel free of that. But am I free? No, I'm not free. Suddenly, I have to keep the object that's called yoga and shema. I have to keep the object, what? To stay happy. So I haven't got rid of the, the, the insecurity at all, have I? I'm still tied down to the object again. You know, i got to analyze this. <laughs> this is be not just radical, it's tough. There's not many people interested in Vedanta. Because huh, it's, it's tough. It, it re- this, it is, they, these neos n- and all these people, do they tell you this? They don't tell you this. Why the hell don't all these spiritual teachers tell you this? Because they know nobody would listen to them. Those people want all kinds of beautiful stories about enlightenment. Every time you go to see Gangaji, it's like going to Gangaji's birthday party. Like everybody's <laughs> celebrating Gangaji's enlightenment. Because i aren't going to tell you the hard, the, you know. That's what it's like. Go to you, 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 you it's like you're sitting there for five years waiting for this big thing to happen that never happens. He's promising all this wonderful thing that's going to happen, but it never happens. Spend like $500 for a, I don't know, a video or something, and you have to get in the lottery to get to, your, to, to go to the seminars, whatever it is, and all that sort of thing. And, and, and you, still don't, you still don't know what it is you're seeking, and you don't have any way to f- seek it either. It's just a promise. And all sorts of vague spiritual blah, blah, blah about what it is and how wonderful it really is. It's really spiritual pornography, basically. It's whole world, you know. so look at, this is not comfortable. This is not comfortable. It's saying, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you chasing things that are not real? Why do you insist on believing that you can beat the system when the system is set up stacked against you? It's like going to a casino. Bhagawan has this set up exactly like a casino. Buga- <laughs> <laughs> the odds are always in favor of Bhagawan. The odds are never in favor of Jiva. And you keep playing. Every, you know, you, you you win a little bit, and then you throw some more money down. You know,
0: huh?
1: It's the same. It's a stack, What they say in the, in the gambling business. I used to gamble. It's a stacked deck. That means they huh, they stuck some fancy little cards and they took a couple cards out that shouldn't that were there and they added a couple more and they stacked the deck. It's it's built. This system here is built to frustrate you. <laughs> This is why you, huh? This is why you I'm always complaining, speaking as James. What a pervert bugawan is. Huh? Yeah. It's a terrible pervert that sets it all up to frustrate you over and over and over again. You'll never get satisfied here. It's all just like masturbation is chasing objects. He just can't win.
0: So, sorry, I object. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful creation and it's perfect Dharma and there's a clear way out. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah, that yeah. bad.
1: No, it's not that, all th- that bad. Has it's money. only... Yeah, that's right. If you know that, it's not that bad. But <laughs> if you don't know that there is a clear way out and what the clear way out is, then it's bad. That's true. Well, no, That's what we're saying. If you don't know Th- that there's a way out and you don't you, but we don't want to believe yeah,
0: but, but the suffering that you experience makes you start seeking well so yeah but you dead. don't,
1: you don't it, sh- hopefully it does and in, sooner or later yeah sooner or later that's true in fact the texts say that, that you should take all of this frustration as a blessing because it makes you seek but it doesn't necessarily make you seek because not everybody seeks some people just get duller and duller and duller, and then the soul perishes. He points that out here, too. So, so, huh? you see people going down, 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 taking lower and lower and lower births all the time, too. So, not everybody... You know, suffering can do two two things. Because it's a duality. It can either wake you up, and make you sensitive to yourself, or it can make you totally dull. And then you just keep trying to, like cover over your dullness with drink and drugs and sex and, and all sorts of stuff. You you keep uh, trying to medicate yourself. And and this, I'm sorry, you can't self-medicate here. That's the point. You need a guru and you need a teaching. You need a teaching and you need a teacher. That That's the only way out. And that's what happened with Arjuna right in the beginning, wasn't it? He quit. He realized that he couldn't self-medicate. He, he, he gave up. He said, he said I, I give up. This is over my head. I, you tell me what to do. Now that's an amazing thing, isn't it? That, that's a dangerous thing if he's got the wrong person. Good, lucky he's got a real true teacher. Lucky he's got a true teacher. But he, he understood that this problem was way over his head. He could not figure it out. And so, you know, then, yes, then there's not only hope, then there's a great inspiration, because this is an amazing teaching. And this puts you in the driver's seat. It doesn't put the guru in the driver's seat. The guru just gives you the knowledge, shows you how to work it, but then it's up to you. I can enlighten me, but I can't enlighten you. But I can show you how to get enlightened. And so... So there is hope obviously but I'm just speaking about you know the the general view of a normal samsaric person and from that point of view this is a tough teaching because you have to be totally honest. You have to be totally honest with yourself. You have to stop lying to yourself. Stop pretending that 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 you, oh no it's okay but I know that I just, you know, all running off to astrologers and palmists and, and all these people, you know, wondering when, when's my karma going to change? You know, when's it going to get better having readings and all this sort of stuff to, to huh? Means what? You're thinking that maybe you've just got to wait a little longer for samsara to deliver what you really want. <laughs> huh? Huh? Yeah. Look at it. I, huh? Absolutely. And it's not, it's not going to deliver what you want. <laughs> it's not here to deliver what you want. It's here to make you seek the self. That's why it fru- Bhagavan frustrates you at every turn. It just keeps frustrating you until you, like, you give up. You become helpless. Then when you're helpless, then you seek the teaching. Then, actually, you don't even have to seek it. It comes to you. When you've given up and you said, okay, I had enough, I've done enough, I I quit. Then suddenly you see the teaching appears. And there's great inspiration and great hope. It's a very inspiring thing to discover this teaching. It's a great, great thing. And when I discovered it, I just like... I, 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 I can't tell you how liberated... Even though I didn't know who I was, I was felt so liberated because I knew that there was a way. I knew that I couldn't find it because I tried. And I just gave up. I just threw it all away. I said, to hell with this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I quit the whole spiritual thing. I was throwing out my spiritual books. I already called up the university. I said, I'm going back to school, get my degree, get it, and so forth. And that very day, I, 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 re, I met my teacher, and then I heard this, and I thought, oh, wow. So inspiring to know that there is a way out of this. So, anyway, chapter 8. Oh, we didn't finish chapter no, six. No, we didn't finish. No, we didn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> it Verse 20, oh, worship the form, sorry. Ah, yeah. <laughs> when you're driven by your lower nature, desire destroys your discrimination and you worship the gods. The god means anything that controls you. A god is a thing that's controlling you, that gives you, that you depend upon. Uh, In the Vedic period, they worshipped the air, the fire, the water, and the earth. It was an extremely environmental period. And those were the gods. The fire god, the water god, the earth god, the sun god, etc., etc. They were all, uh, those were the gods in those days. And they worshipped them. Because they knew their lives depended upon them. So a god, in this this sense, a god is anything that you depend upon as a jiva. And... Everything, every object you depend upon, so there's a deity for every object, and you should propitiate or worship the deity that controls the object, the fire, the air, the water, the earth, the mind, the intellect all these things are what given to us they're all gods, they're all things we depend upon to function here that's the idea so it is. if you at what you worship if you don't have discrimination then you worship stuff here <coughs> if you have discrimination you what you worship yourself <laughs> <coughs> if you if you don't have if you have discrimination then you worship yourself if you don't have discrimination then you worship something here it says if you worship a god with faith i will fulfill your prayers to make your faith firm Irrespective of your motivation, this is true of criminals and stuff. There's a lot in India. Almost every criminal believes in God. Isn't that weird? In America, almost they make a huge story about it when a criminal finds God in in, in prison. But in India, every criminal believes in God. And they all they have their own deities and they worship them, and 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 Shiva's they worship and Shiva takes care of them. He's the God for, what, for real estate agents, they're called <laughs> land grabbers, for criminals, for, huh, for prostitutes, for all thieves and all that sort of stuff. Steve, Steve is the God for those people. And, uh, and they were, you know, so he says, it doesn't matter. He says, whatever way you invoke me, I'm going I'm going to give you what you need to make your faith in me strong. Because Ishwar is behind everything here. The good and the bad. Right now we're just talking about all the wonderful stuff. Because Arjuna is not ready to see the bad stuff yet. Uh, later on in the, in the 11th chapter we're going to see. Uh, he asked for to see the whole vision. And when he gets to see the whole vision he says take that back. I don't want to see that. He's, he's not ready to see all the uglinesses himself. He doesn't want to see that. But it's all Bhagawan everything here and so what comes through the gods and and what comes through the gods comes only from me now what does that mean that means when you get something here you're actually getting this (laughs) you're actually getting yourself and how does that work huh your mind the desire or the fear goes away and what do you do you start experiencing yourself and you're happy you feel free for a second And that feeling of freedom and bliss and joy and love that you get, those momentary little blips of joy, that what? That's just experiencing yourself. That's all. It only lasts for a minute or two or what? Maybe a day or a week. Who knows how long it lasts. And then what? Disappears. So whenever you get what you want, you actually just want this. You want yourself. Worship with limited understanding brings limited results. But if you worship me, you will definitely get me. Although my nature is limitless, changeless, and formless, and there is nothing other than it, meaning there is nothing other than you, the undiscriminating people only see me in a form. Because my maya covers the intellects of nearly everyone, I am not known as unborn and unchangeless. I know all things that have happened, are happening, and will happen, happen, but almost no one knows me. This is a little tricky. Now, he's speaking here as Ishwara 2, not Ishwara 1. Ishwara 2 is what? Remember? Ishwara plus maya. Ishwara 1 is Ishwara minus maya. So he's speaking of Ishwara 2. He says, huh? Ishwara 2 knows everything that's happening, will happen, and and has happened. That's called omniscience of all the facts. Ishwara 2 knows all the details of everything in the creation. Can you imagine, huh? Can you imagine what kind of mind that is? Huh? Everything, from top to bottom, from beginning to end, every single thing is known by what? Ishwara. That's Ishwara 2. That's the self plus what? Maya. And Ishwara 1 is what? Ishwara 1 knows everything but what? As all consciousness.
0: So Ishwara 1 has self-knowledge? And Ishwara 2 has. Self object, self-knowledge object knowledge
1: plus object knowledge. Yes.
0: Okay. Ishwara 2 self knowledge and.
1: And object, and object knowledge. knowledge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Ishwara 1 has only self knowledge, hmm. is self aware. T- tell me, okay, what am I doing now? What am I doing? Well, I'm working hard to be aware. (laughs) Or or the Buddhist guys, you know. Have you seen them? All the Buddhist people doing that funny walk? (laughs) Why are you walking so slow like that? (laughs) I have a friend who has a seminar house in south of Germany and I went to visit her one time and I saw these people walking around. It was the winter. And there's a, it's these fields, and all these funny people are walking around real slow. It's cold as anything. The wind is blowing, and they're walking really, really slow. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to be aware. So, what? Slow walking is going to make you aware? <laughs> Excuse me? There's not one thing you have to do to be aware. Huh? Awareness is not the result of any action. It's not a product of an action. Huh? Awareness. You're, what are you doing to be aware? You're not doing anything. It's your nature. What? What are you doing to exist? If I don't, if I don't move, I won't exist. <laughs> you exist. Prior to your movements, you can't, what? Move unless you exist before you move. Understand? <laughs> okay. So, Ishwara 1 knows what? Knows itself. And when objects, when objects appear, huh? Ishwara 1 knows that all the objects are just me, and Ishwara knows the nature of all the objects. And Ishwar too knows what? The functions and forms of all the objects plus itself. That's called Bhagawan. Bhagawan has self-knowledge and object knowledge. And what, and what is this? Desire and aversion create the opposites. The opposites delude. Delude why? You can't decide what you want. You ever been in that condition? I think you have. That's because why? Because reality is a duality and you don't know what to choose. Should I do this or should I do that? When you consider this and you consider that, then your mind gets disturbed huh? and then you get confused. huh? What should I do? I don't know. Then you go to an astrologer. Then you go to a psychologist. Then you flip a coin or you do something. Because you can't, huh? Because you can't make up your mind. Because in duality it can be either way, can it? You may go for this and end up with that. You may go for that and end up with this. You don't know. You never know when you make a choice what the results of the action are going to be. So you're always worried. I'm going to make a mistake. Is it going to end up bad? You know? But, but, we already got the solution here. What's the solution? But those committed to freedom seek me. The way out of that is just seek yourself. Bring your negative tendencies to an end through karma yoga and you'll be released from the spell of opposites. Karma yoga neutralizes your likes and your dislikes. If you seek freedom from change and take refuge in me, you will come to know me as your own self. In other words, through the knowledge of Ishwar, you'll come to know who you are. You will also understand karma, what? In all its ramifications, in all its nuances, ramifications, in all its manner. You'll understand uh, the psychology of the doer, for example, which we've talked about, the doer-enjoyer. That's karma. We need to understand the psych- our psychology as doers and enjoyers. Uh, you'll understand the limited nature of karma, the defect in karma. Karma has its defect. The upside and the downside of karma. You'll understand that. Uh, The value of karma. You'll understand what the value of karma is. What's the value of karma for us? Purifies our minds. Big, big value. Huge positive. Without understanding all its nuances, though, what? If you use karma for something else, then you're asking for trouble. Uh, all the factors in the dharma field and how they impact on action and so forth. So the whole topic of karma is a big topic. The uh, first five, first uh, the f- chapters two to chapter six, uh, nothing but karma. The doer, the jiva, and what he or she he or she can do. So. Even na- And then he says, even nature lovers who see me in the physical world or those who who invoke me through rituals aimed at other gods eventually come to know me. So start loving something. If it's just the sunset or nature, that's a good start because that's Ishwar. Too. And you will just progress to more and more subtle forms of understanding until you see that what you're really worshipping out there in the natural world is just your own self shining in this form chapter 8 the unchanging self Arjuna said O Krishna what is the self and what is the individual what is karma and how does it relate to beings what are the gods what is the object of religious rituals and how are you known at death by those with steady minds well we've already covered all these topics Krishna replied the self is limitless and unchanging. Associated with a body, it is called an individual. Hmm? Awareness plus the subtle body is called a jiva. That's the definition. Karma is an offering that creates bodies for beings. In other words, karma causes bodies. Huh? What, is karma? what is karma? What produces Karma desire and what causes desire ignorance of yourself jnanis will not have a body in the next birth why because their desires have been neutralized by self-knowledge so there's no need for a body they have no karma the karma of jnanis is cleared so when you understand you're this your karma is cleared and you don't need a body so you don't do any karma that will produce a body or be a cause for a body in the next birth. You have no need for it. So the whole cycle of samsara stops when you know who you are. The individual, this jiva, is subject to change, but the gods, that gods means the, the forces in the dharma field, they're relatively eternal. Why did I put relatively eternal? They are eternal, but I put the word relatively in there, because what? They appear, the, 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 all these forces, the whole universe appears and disappears. You're going to see in a minute. At, right now it's appearing. After a few trillion years, it's going to disappear. But it will reappear again after another few trillion years. So in that sense, it's not the self. It's eternal, but it's not relatively eternal. It's, it has two aspects, an unmanifest aspect and a, and a manifest <clears> aspect. <throat> right now, it's manifest. But what? When it goes unmanifest, consciousness has no world to shine on. But when the seeds of the next creation begins, huh? then what? It's, those seeds sprout and then the whole universe is projected again and another great big macrocosmic cycle begins. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Time is part of the universe. Time, so yeah, the uni- universe to, is time. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to say after uh, a trillion years in seed state, a new universe comes.
1: It doesn't make sense. Well, uh, why? Why is it timeless? Well, that's right. But we're we're speaking, looking at it from the point of view of the jiva now. Okay. No, it's timeless. There's no actually. There's no first creation. This is a question. Well, when did the first creation begin? There isn't a first creation. Creation is out of time. It's eternal. Like, Okay, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Huh? Which one came first? Huh? Huh? Neither one came first. There's no first. You can't have an egg without a chicken, and you can't have a chicken without an egg, can you? So which is, what's the first one? If you look at it from the chicken's point of view, then the chicken came first. If you look at it from the egg's point of view, then the egg came first. Right? Which means neither one of them came first. Because they're both the same thing, just looked at from different angles. So the universe is nothing but consciousness, huh? Looked at from what? Different angles, that's all. So there's no first creation. (laughs) Everything is just one eternal thing, one awareness, what? Projecting objects and destroying objects. Projecting objects and destroying objects. And that's your experience, isn't it? You're just a awareful, conscious being, and what happens? Thoughts appear in you and generate experience, and then thoughts disappear into you, and what? Experience dies. And the next experience comes up. Between every experience, there's a tiny, tiny little gap. Experiences don't overlap. <laughs> one experience appears, huh? and then the next experience appears, and then the next one. They're not overlap or stacked up. Otherwise, this experience would interfere with that experience, and you'd have two experiences going on at the same time, and you'd be totally, hopelessly confused. But you're not. You only have one cogent experience all the time. And that's exactly the way the macrocosm is. This won't be that way if that isn't that way. Because whatever is down here is what's up there. In other words, whatever's going on down here is just Ishwara operating on a microcosmic scale, on a small scale. So there's only one principle here operating. It's operating on the total level And it's operating on the individual level. And everything down here reflects what Ishwara is up there. Don't worry about up and down, okay? Because there's no actual up and no actual down. That's the idea. The individual is subject to change, but the gods are relative, eternal. And what? I alone am the object of all rituals. Everybody does everything for what? For the sake of the self. And isn't that true of you personally? Yeah. Everything you do is for the sake of the self. You are the self, and you do everything for the sake of the self. This is why the karma yoga is not selfless service. (laughs) There's no no selfless service there's only the self so any service you do is only the self doing service for the self there's no selfless service karma yoga is an attitude you take with respect to action and its results it's the self under the spell of ignorance doing it for its own sake what? to get free if an individual dies thinking of me he or she realizes non-difference from me there is no doubt about this but if at the time, at that time something else enters the mind here she goes there this is called videha mukti there are two kinds of mukti jivan mukti and videha mukti videha deha means body videha means without the body that means at the time of death and he says and the scripture says here that if you think of what if you if you, think of, if you put your mind or your attention on Bhagawan on the self, at that time, then you'll go to Bhagawan. So I suppose people will say, say to me, they often say to me, say, well, yeah, I like your idea, Ram, that's a great idea, that jiva mukti, but I'll tell you what, I'm, here's the deal. I, I'm going to go for videha mukti. And the reason I'm going for videha mukti is because I really like it here in this earth, And I'm really enjoying myself. And I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to just really just work out, just have so much fun here. And then the minute I die, I'm going to think of the Lord. I'm going to think of consciousness and I'll go to consciousness then. Then I'll get my moksha then. So I get both. I get to enjoy life here and then I get my moksha there. (laughs) Huh? Clever guys, huh? (laughs) Hmm? Except what? What's the, huh? where's the fly and the ointment of that idea? Huh? Huh? Yeah. If you keep thinking of what? If you keep chasing your vasanas here, how likely is it that you're going to think of the Lord at the end? <laughs> you will not think of the Lord at the end. Your neck, the vasana that explodes in your mind at that time will send you to your next birth. So, huh? and in fact, there's no next birth. And even if there is a next birth, you're not going to be there to know that you were this guy here thinking, uh, going there. You, the vasanas transmigrate, but the person that you are here stops existing when you die. And a new person comes up then with the old vasanas. So... Forget it. The way to look at this is what? The next birth means the next thought that appears in your mind. When you identify with the thought, here I'm present as awareness, and then when a thought comes up, and if I identify with that, if I let my consciousness join that thought and make that thought real, then what happens? I'm born into the experience. I take birth in that experience of that thought, until what? Until I disidentify with it. So until I die to that thought. When I disidentify, I die to that thought, I take my consciousness out of the thought, and what? The experience ends. That's how to think of it, because that's how reality is. It's always just, I'm always present, I'm always conscious, And all I ever have is a thought in my mind at any time. I can choose to identify with that thought and suffer and enjoy all the consequences of that thought, or I can what? I can not identify with that thought and let the thought die, and then what? My next birth is gone. And I do that with every birth, what? Eventually my mind will just calm down, and I'll no longer identify with the thoughts, and what? I'll be free of them. Mm-hmm. It's a process. So is, one should interpret this versus, at, at this rebirth idea in that way. Arjuna asked earlier, I think, that, you know, he was in the meditation chapter. He, he said, you know, what happens? He said, what happens if I die? Because we're always worried, you know. But is anybody here worried about what they're going to be next time? I don't think so. No, you know, it's just, it's a red herring. And and so let's talk about the next birth. Usually they use it to scare you. The Buddhists are the best at this. The Buddhists say, you better be a good little spiritual boy and girl. Because in the next birth, you might get born as a cockroach. Oh, I wouldn't want that. I'm going to go meditate. <laughs> huh? <Yes>. Cockroach. Kakalaka. <laughs> <laughs> they use this next birth thing to scare you to do your spiritual work. Forget it. Yeah. Uh,
0: identification with the sword as a cause for the next birth. Yeah. But we want to identify with the thought, I am the self.
1: Yeah, because that thought will what mi- will stop your births and deaths. When you realize the meaning of that thought, then you're what there's no more reincarnation for you. You don't re- incarnate means to become flesh, to become matter. So when you that thought what is the thought of awareness? I'm awareness, and that, does, that that when you understand what that means, then you become awareness. Because you already are awareness, and there is no birth and death for you. So that thought is a good thought. That thought destroys the other thoughts.
0: So, uh, at some point, uh, there's no point in identifying even with that thought. Sort,
1: of That's right. At some point, you stop that. You, you, that will stop when you understand the meaning of the thought. You have to keep thinking that thought until you understand the meaning of it. When you understand the meaning of I'm awareness, then you see that you are awareness. And when you see that you are awareness, what? Problem solved. It, no, no thoughts are required to make you happy. No experiences are required to make you happy. You're full. You're complete. I'm awareness means aham Purnaha. ha. I'm full. I'm complete. Nothing's missing. That's what I'm awareness means. Nothing is missing. I don't need anything. <laughs> That's the meaning of that thought. Uh, yes, Haggai.
0: How come Tulkus have a past life uh, memories?
1: Oh, some vasanas from the past, their mind, the mind uh, personifies, generates, a, just like in a dream, the mind generates images out of those vasanas.
0: So it's
1: bit, uh, yeah, it's yearbol- your yeah, absolutely, buffers? yeah. Certain people's minds uh, personify; they turn things into people. Yeah, they project. It's a kind of projection. This is why most people worship God as a as a person. It's an infantile state of mind. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a Parents, uh, children do this. They they personify. They turn everything into... We, we love to do that with dogs and cats and stuff. You notice that? How, how all these cartoons and stuff, they try to make the animals into people. Huh? You see the cartoons and all this sort of stuff? You have the animals talking to each other and driving cars and... And, and carrying on conversations and falling in love and doing all these weird things that we do? Huh? It's called personification. It's, it's, it's a projection. <laughs> anyway, offer your heart and mind to me at all times and fight. Fight means live, live. Fight doesn't mean fight. Fight means live, live your life. Dedicate everything to God and live. Enjoy. There is no doubt that you will reach only me. If you reflect on the teachings of non-duality with a mind fortified by yoga, a mind that has not wandered to other objects, you will realize your limitless, self-effulgent nature. If you contemplate on what is all-knowing, most ancient, the ruler and ordainer of everything, subtler than the subtlest, of inconceivable form, formless, and beyond knowledge and ignorance, you will realize your true nature. If your mind is steady with the devotional strength gained through yoga, and you place your breath properly between your eyebrows, you'll reach the limitless effulgent self. This is yoga. Yannis don't have to close their eyes to get to the self. There's some certain yoga practices you can do I don't know about them, I don't care about them, I'm a jnani. So, we don't, we can realize the self with our eyes open, standing up or lying down or any place else, because uh, we know we're the self. That's all. It's not my, any object, it's me, the knower. So, no practices are required for nyanis, But for yogis, there's some... Um, particular practice. I don't know what that is and I don't care to know what it is, but the Gita mentions it. That comes from the Yoga Shastra. This uh, Bhagavad Gita is synthetic. It's it's Vedanta and Yoga mixed together. And Vedanta endorses Yoga. This is why we're not against Yoga. We're all for Yoga. But it's mixed up here. Yoga is for Purifying your mind and clearing your psychological problems, and is for knowledge of the self. I will tell you briefly about the self, which is the topic of the Vedas and which is realized by renunciates who pursue life of self study and discipline. And then he's he, he's giving you this uh, little synopsis of this yogic of this yogic meditation. He says, shut down the sense organs and withdraw the mind into a heart, into the heart. That's actually all you really need to do for meditation, actually, for self-knowledge. That's, that's what we've done in this little meditation I taught you. Withdraw the mind and put the attention in the heart. The heart is the silence. We did that. We've done that several times. And you can feel it. Actually, that's what happens in the teaching. When everything goes dead silent and nobody has any questions, huh? the mind is in the heart. That's why there's no questions and everybody's peaceful and silent because the mind is in the self. It's sitting in the self. So that's actually all that's required. But in the Yoga Shastra, place your breath at the top of your head and hold it there by yoga while chanting the syllable Om, which is the Self. If you then let go of the body, you will realize your identity with me. By some pra- practice or technique, I actually had this happen to me a few times, uh, without trying to do it. It actually happened. Uh, I was evidently supposed to know about yoga, so I had this uh, kind of experience quite a number of times. If you then let it self, so, but I didn't know what it meant, really, until later on. If you then let go of the body, blah, blah, blah. A mind that constantly sees no other easily realizes me. If you successfully realize me, you will not take another miserable limited birth. It means you will not. means you will not identify with the desires or fears that present themselves to you. Up to the level of the Creator You'll come back to earth from any world in which beings exist. But you will not be reborn to self-ignorance if you know who I am. Then he talks about the macrocosmic, which I just explained. One of the Creator's days lasts a thousand eons, as does one of its nights. At the beginning of the day, all things and beings arise from the unmanifest and become manifest. And when night begins, they are again resolved into the unmanifest but eternal consciousness is beyond the manifest and the unmanifest it does not change when all beings are destroyed it is what is to be known when you realize it you no longer see yourself as a limited being the self is limitless and can be obtained by a devotion which knows no otherness it is that in which all beings are rooted and that by whom all are pervaded. And now we're going to get a couple of kind of strange verses, kind of difficult to interpret, uh, totally non-essential for enlightenment. Uh, uh, And we'll read those and I'll I'll briefly explain them. We're not going to get into the details. This is all very mystical and lovely. And, And if you're spiritual, you can get yourself all, you know, Excited reading this stuff and want to know more. But it's just a symbol, basically. O oh, Arjuna, I will explain to you the paths of return and no return by which yogis go. <clears throat> Meditators on the self travel for six months through the lands of the god of the fire, the god of light and time the god of day and the god of the light fortnight and arrive at the bow to the south. But the yogi whose mind is elsewhere travels for six months through the lands of the deity of smoke, the deity of night, the deity of the dark fortnight, when the sun is in the south. He or she gains the world of the moon and returns to earth. It is well known that both the dark and the bright paths are eternal. But by the bright path one gains liberation and does not return. By the other, one again returns to bondage. Knowing these two paths, be not deluded. Therefore, at all times, may you be in yoga, O Arjuna. The one who knows this no longer needs to follow the injunctions in the Vedas concerning the results of actions, rituals, disciplines, and charities, and attains my supreme abode. Again, this is, this is a reincarnation idea, and it, it's very simple. It means if you seek the self, you won't come back to samsara. If you seek what? Experience in samsara, you'll just keep coming back to samsara. That's the dark path. That's the lunar path. That's the path of reflected light. And you'll stay in samsara if you keep seeking experiences. Whereas if you seek the self, you'll what? You'll go go through this journey and you'll end up, what, here and you won't be reborn. Because after death, you see, there's a certain process that happens. The jiva is unconscious. When you die, the jiva goes unconscious. That's why the jiva doesn't remember who it was in the past life. Because there's a gap. Because the jiva goes unconscious. But what? It needs to to travel. It has to travel. It has to move. And so it's moved by these forces. There are these deep psychological forces set up by nature. Those are called the gods. And they guide it to its next birth. That's what, what the idea is here. It's a dualistic notion. It's a mystical notion. It has a certain psychological relevance. But... It's not something that you really want to get yourself uh, all excited about.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, right on the money. Uh, <laughs> chapter 9. Well, good. We're coming along. How, how many more days do we have? <laughs> Two.
0: Today and What What day is today?
1: Thursday. Thursday.
0: Thursday. Today's Thursday? Yes. <laughs> Friday and Saturday.
1: We got Friday. Oh my god, I thought it was Wednesday. Today's Thursday. Oh No, it'll work. We can we can uh we can get nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. We can do that today. And then we'll do the rest in the last two days, Friday yeah. and Saturday, and then we have a little summary and it's Bye-bye. On <laughs> <laughs> a morning
0: session
1: on, on Sunday. Oh, a morning session on Sunday. We should wrap it up, have Q&A maybe, questions and answers or whatever. Okay. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to the talk of James Watts on the Bhagavad Gita, recorded at Yoga Bad Meinberg near Hannover in Germany. More information on shiningworld.com and yoga-vidya.org.